What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We have reached the end of our best case, worst case series. We're going to be covering, I think, the favorites almost across the board for the Big Ten East and West. That is Ohio State and Wisconsin, respectively. If you like the podcast, make sure to like and follow and leave a review and do do that wherever you get your podcast. Leave a review. Send me an email. Uh, feel free to, to message me on Instagram. Follow us there. My hope after this is this Friday I have a, a podcast that I recorded earlier, probably late, late last week, kind of detailing my thoughts on Pat Narduzzi as well as Joe Tessitore and his thoughts on Ohio State's schedule. Uh, spoiler alert, he thinks that Ohio State's schedule is easy. LOL. It's not. We're going to go into that and more. Next week, that, that'll drop on Friday. Next week, my hope, and I'm saying my hope, I don't know if I'll get there because uh, it's it's crunch time for uh, campus ministry. Students are fa- moving back in. So if I get to it, I get to it. If not, I'm sorry. But the first thing that goes is the podcast. So so if I get to it, great. If not, oh well. But my hope is to give you my projections and my all my first team all Big Ten. I'm not going to go All-American, but first team all Big Ten. I want to try to get to that uh, next week, next Tuesday, next Friday, respectively. And then it'll be the first game week. Uh, we'll also talk about playoff. Uh, I have a, a a friend who uh, might join the podcast. He he gave me some predictions, and uh, we'll see if we can get him on here. Um, if not, uh, I'll I'll give you my playoff predictions, and then we'll we'll go into game week where we have week zero, Nebraska Northwestern. So we'll talk about that, and then it'll be full fledged football season, which is going to be awesome. I'm I'm so excited for the season. Excited to see what happens. Let's go right into Wisconsin. I'm going to save Ohio State for last. Wisconsin Wisconsin is interesting to me. They have five returning starters, although they do have a guy that transferred in from UCLA, Keontes Lewis, a receiver. Um, but even that, he, he had one start and zero receptions. So, I, you know, he's projected starter. Graham Mertz is back. Braylon Allen, who had a breakout season last year, he ran for nearly 1,300 yards, uh, especially in the back half. They they have Ches Malusi back as the backup. He ran for 838 yards. So, I mean, they've got a good one-two tandem, but all the receivers are new. Their tight end is is new, uh, new in the sense of, of starting, not, not new to the program necessarily, except for Keontes Lewis. Their offensive line, they get three starters back, which is that's a big deal. You know, Joe Tipman was honor honorary Big Ten, uh, all honorary honorary mention Big Ten last year. Um, Tyler Beach is returning at left guard. Jack Nelson is returning as well. But again, he he had thirteen starts at right guard. Now he's going to. Left tackle, he was honorable mention Big Ten. And then you've got two projected different starters at right tackle and right guard. So I trust that the offensive line is going to be good because it's Wisconsin. 
but they have a new offensive coordinator. And then you look at the defense, and you always trust Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard's great. But if you look at who they have on defense coming back, they have three guys, and that's it. Keanu Benton, Isaiah Mullins, the nose tackle and defensive end, and actually, yeah, and Nick Nick Herbig, who is a sophomore. And none of those guys, I would say, except for maybe Benton, who was second-team Big Ten last year, none of those guys are maybe – Big time stars. Now they could be because I, I think their defense is always going to be good. But a lot of the hype behind Wisconsin is, I think, potential. They, they've recruited well for Wisconsin. Paul Christ has been consistent. He hasn't had a season worse than eight and five, not including the pandemic year over the past five years. Uh, the pandemic year, you just kind of have to throw out. Uh, the issue really is. The schedule. And honestly, the schedule I don't think is terrible outside of Ohio State, but it's it's Ohio State. So I, I think the best case and the worst case could be maybe wildly different. I think a lot of people think Wisconsin's floor is pretty high. I think a lot depends on, A, how well does the offensive line gel? B, how well does the new offensive coordinator kind of gel with uh, Graham Mertz and the running backs. And then the third thing, honestly, because I'm, I'm honestly not that concerned about the defense, even though I just told you I'm a little concerned about it. The real concern to me is, can Graham Mertz go from mediocre to good? You know, can Graham Mertz be good? Last year, they got to 9-4 and four with Graham Mertz, honestly, not being all that great. Like, he was really mediocre. If you look at his stats, you know, he completed 169 balls out of 284, so his completion percentage was a tick under 60%. He threw for under 2,000 yards. He threw for 10 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. If you told me that was the quarterback of any other team, I'm like, they're probably like a six-win team at best. They won nine games. And because Wisconsin has always been built on the backbone of a running game and solid defense. And honestly, if I'm honest, I think they can at least get seven or eight wins, even if Graham Mertz has the same stat line this year. Because Braylon Allen's really good. I think their offensive line's going to be good. And honestly, no one's going to threaten their defense all that much except for Ohio State. So, you know, Purdue and Michigan State, might threaten them a little. Maryland might threaten them a little bit. So those are three other teams that I'd be a little concerned about in terms of offensive production, where they could get into a shootout. But I, I, I'm just not sure. I see worse than like seven and five, even even for a worst case scenario, because running game and offensive line can cure a lot of ills. And listen, they didn't play well last year. Like, Graham Mertz was not good. I mean, they imploded against Notre Dame. But if you look at the score, you know, the score, they lost by 28. But if you actually watch that game, Wisconsin was ahead in the fourth quarter. And, I mean, Graham Mertz was bad in that game. And they didn't discover Braylon Allen yet. All, well, he might have played in that game. But, like, Ches Malusi was the guy going into that game. They, they had a really good shot to beat Penn State in the opener. But, again, Graham Mertz was... 
turning the ball over. And so they they had a one and three start, got to eight and four, won their bowl game on the back of bad quarterback play, not finding their best running back until like halfway through the season, and a, a fairly tough schedule. They don't have a Notre Dame in the non-conference. And honestly, the East, aside from Ohio State, the East crossovers, they're they're tough, but they're manageable. So that's let, let's start. I'm gonna go with the worst case first for Wisconsin. Because my best case might surprise you. The worst case, they, they beat Illinois State, they beat Washington State, they beat New Mexico State. Like, sorry, Washington State's not that good. Okay, so they're gonna they're gonna go three and zero in those games. I think regardless, they get to Ohio State and they get drilled. You know, it's a primetime game. Wisconsin's probably ranked in the top twelve, and Ohio State just pants pantses them. And they're three and one. They get to Illinois. Running game's too strong. Four and one. They get to Northwestern. I have a tough time believing Northwestern can beat them, even if Northwestern decides to have a good year this year. So I think they five and one. They get to Michigan State and they lose that game. Five and two. They get to Purdue. Aiden O'Connell throws all over a rebuilt secondary. Five and three into the break. They they play Maryland at home. And I I'm I'm just not convinced Maryland, with all their firepower, I'm not convinced that they can they can beat Wisconsin because of how strong the running game is. I, I think Wisconsin will control the clock and grind grind out a victory. And probably force Talia Tungavailoa into a couple mistakes, and so you get to uh, six and three. Yeah, six and three at Iowa. Crazy things happen at Iowa. Six and four at Nebraska. I, I think they beat Nebraska. I could be wrong on that, but I I would say they split Iowa and Nebraska two road games. But then they lose to Minnesota. Who honestly, as I as I look more at the schedule, Minnesota might. Might be my pick in the West. Just just throwing that out there. Um, so I think their their floor is seven and five. Because I I just don't think the the thing the thing that's different between Wisconsin and Iowa. See, Iowa has all their defense back, and so you'd think, oh, Iowa's gonna be great. But I I have no confidence in any part of their offense. You know, aside from Sam Laporta, who's all world tight end. You gotta have somebody to throw to him, and Spencer Petrus is just not that guy, especially without a running back who's not proven. Wisconsin has two proven running backs, and look, Chesmalusi isn't great, but as your second string guy, that's pretty good. And not to mention they've got Jalen Berger as their third stringer, like, or sorry, no, Jalen Berger transferred. Sorry, wrong team. Um, they don't have Jalen Berger. They have Isaac uh, Garendo. So they, they have a good stable of backs and, a gr- I think, a, a good offensive line. Um, so I think that's going to serve them well to at least get them to seven wins. Now, I'm going to go best case. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now, I think the best case is if everything gels together, you know, the defense, you know, under Jim, Jim Leonard's tutelage, you know, they have – they have a lot of new guys, but Cedric Dort transfers in from Kentucky. You know, he's a, a, had a lot of starts there. Jay Shaw um, played several games for UCLA. Uh, he's a senior. So two seniors. Um, 
they have a veteran punter. Um, so I, I think the special teams and the defense could gel. Here's what I think could happen. Like I said, this is and this is this is assuming Graham Mertz is better than mediocre. He's good. They go three and They go to Ohio State, and Ohio State has their own question marks on the offensive line, and the running game, and their defense, and they struggled to stop the run at times last year. Wisconsin probably has the best running game they faced, you know, since Michigan last year, and we all saw what Michigan did to them last year. And Wisconsin runs enough to set up play action pass. Graham Mertz has a couple of big touchdown throws, and they pound their way to victory in Columbus in prime time. They beat Illinois. They go to Northwestern, beat Northwestern. At Michigan State, again, I'm not convinced Michigan State has fixed their defense. And again, Graham Mertz, if he's better than mediocre, gets the play-action game going, gets the tight end involved, gets their new complement of receivers involved, and Braylon Allen, you know, gets them to a win, maybe a 13-point win on the road at Michigan State. And then they they pound Purdue into submission. They go into the break 8-0. They're rested for Maryland. They shut down Tengavailoa, pick them off several times. They're not daunted by Iowa because they've been there a lot. They're not daunted by Nebraska. And they get to Minnesota with a berth in the Big Ten championship game on the line. And they get revenge for last year. And they win Paul Bunyan's axe. And they get to Indy where they face Michigan. And they beat Michigan because they have the better running game. And then they go to the playoff where they can pick up a win because if you, you know, say they they get Clemson or USC, they pick up a win and they get crushed in the, in the play in the final. Um, but I, I, I do think the ceiling for this team, it might be a stretch, but I do think the ceiling for Wisconsin, if everything falls right, is a playoff berth with maybe even a win. Now, I my guess is if they made the playoff, they would probably lose game one. But I don't think it's out of the realm depending on their matchup. And this is, this is I think, especially true if the SEC only gets one team in. So like if they get Oklahoma or they get Utah – or Clemson, or Miami, I think it's very realistic to say that Wisconsin gets a win in the playoff before they get crushed by Alabama in the final. Let's take a break. Next up, we will talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. We are talking the Bucks of Ohio State it should surprise no one that the best case scenario is going to be national championship. So I'm going to talk about that. I'll talk about that last, but that should not be a spoiler alert to anybody. And so the question is, how high is the floor? How high is the floor? What's the worst case scenario for Ohio State? And to talk about this, I think there's, there's a lot of hype, particularly around the sophomore class. If you just look at at the defensive line, 
JT Tuimaloao, Tyleek Williams, Jack Sawyer. That's just the defensive line. There's a lot of hype around those sophomores. Um, you have a transfer in Tanner McAllister, Ronnie Hickman at safety, Denzel Burke at corner. There's a lot of optimism there. There's also a lot of optimism in the reserves. Jordan Hancock at corner and uh, Ja'Kalen Johnson at corner. On the on the offensive side of the ball, Julian Fleming, who's a he's a junior, but I think he's classified as a sophomore because he, I think he took a red shirt his freshman year. Marvin Harrison, junior. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Well, Jackson Smith and Jigba is a junior. Um, but all, all these guys, all these sophomores are, are coming from either the, the high point of the 2020 class or the 2021 class. Who, that were They were just d- dynamic classes for Ohio State. So there's a lot of youth, a lot of optimism, and there's a lot of hype with the new coaching staff. Justin Fry taking over for the offensive line, which was a trouble spot last year. Jim Knowles takes over. Uh, at defensive coordinator, which he was, uh, I believe, the Burroughs Award uh, winner last year for for nation's best assistant coach. And so he comes to coach the defense of uh, the whole defense. Linebackers coach is different, and the secondary coach is different, and the safeties coach is different. Like, there's so many new faces in this coaching staff. And so everybody kind of thinks that they're going to kind of come in and just revitalize everything. And my caution is don't put the cart before the horse. There's a lot of transition. Yes, there's a lot of starters back. I think six starters back on the offense, eight starters back on the defense. Both your specialists come back off of an 11-2 team that won the Rose Bowl. So that's great. The defense stunk last year. Like it was awful at times. And I mean, not just awful in the sense that, well, they don't have the players. Of course they have the players. They're Ohio State. But the scheme was just terrible. It was awful. And if you think that players can get a scheme, can change a scheme, like, overnight, it doesn't happen that way. And Jim Knowles' scheme is very complex. So I think there are, there are two real, sorry, three real concerns for Ohio State. One is the defense doesn't get the scheme and the guys they need to become superstars don't actually get to that yet, that they still need another year. So that's that's one concern. The, the second concern is the offensive line. The offensive line was really, really good last year, but they were not good when it counted. And what I mean by that is it, they were not good when they needed to get two yards on third down or a yard on fourth down. And so, so the run, and, and that leads to the third concern. Does Travion Henderson take that next step as a running back? You know, can, can he actually sustain drives and not just be a home run hitter? Because that's what he became. He, he's really struggled down the stretch. Um, so I, he, if you look at the numbers, he was phenomenal, you know, 1250 yards, 15 touchdowns on the ground. He had another four touchdowns through the air, 312 yards. So he's phenomenal freshman year, but does he take the next step? And so that's, those are the real questions I have is do they, can they grind out 
games when they need to. And they have a lot of games on their schedule, unlike what some might say, that I think are going to be tougher than people think. Um, So again, let's start with the worst case scenario. Let's start with Notre Dame. A a lot of people think Ohio State's going to blow Notre Dame out of the water. I'm not one of them. I think Notre Dame has a really good defense. I think they have a really good offensive line. And I think while Notre Dame's defense is going to be that that secondary, defensive secondary, I, I still don't – I am very concerned that C.J. Stroud will have enough time. And I'm also concerned, if you remember, go back to last year, Ohio State started games slow, particularly big games, right? So against Penn, uh, against Minnesota, they started a little slow. Well, they, they had a big run, and then they, they kind of stalled out a bit. Against Oregon, they were really slow out of the gate. Against Penn State, they were really slow. Against Nebraska, they were really slow. Against Michigan, they were really slow out of the gate. Against Utah, they were really slow out of the gate. And what what's the common denominator? Against better defenses, they took a long time to kind of feel their way into their rhythm. And part of the reason why is because they couldn't get the, the run game going. So I think it's very reasonable to think that Notre Dame, taking advantage of some of the defensive liabilities, in a top-five matchup at night, beginning of the season, where all the jitters are, are, are up, and Notre Dame has really nothing to lose because they're going to be like 13.5-point uh, underdogs. Notre Dame goes up like 14 nothing, and Ohio State has to play catch-up again, and they can't get the running game going, and Notre Dame gets like a 7-point win in Columbus. By the way, Ohio State does not have a great home field advantage. They typically lose non-conference, uh, big-time non-conference Power 5 games. You know, Oklahoma, uh, Texas, USC, all those games, they have lost the home game and won the away game. Well, USC, they didn't win either of them. So I... Against Oregon last year, they lost. So I'm not convinced that all the advantages that Ohio State supposedly have is going to help them in that game. So I think I think losing to Notre Dame is easily something they could do. So they start 0-1 in the worst case. They beat Arkansas State. They beat Toledo. They run into Wisconsin, and they run into a buzzsaw. And they can't stop Braylon Allen. They can't stop Chesmalusi. Uh, I just talked about it. Graham Mertz, if he is able to get the play-action pass game going and the defense can't adjust, 2-2. Two 2-2 and two. Two and two right out the bat. And they're, like, ranked 20th in the country at that point. And everybody's saying, fire Ryan Day. They beat Rutgers because, of course, they beat Rutgers. No offense to Rutgers fans. They go to Michigan State, and I think Michigan State keeps it close but I think they win. They get a bye to kind of lick their wounds at 4-2. and two, Still with a shot to be in the Big Ten Championship game. Because remember, they lost a West game and they lost a non-conference game. They play Iowa at home. And I, Iowa is not as scary at home as they are away. So I think they, they get it done against Iowa. Although they're, they, they get a scare. At Penn State... I don't think Penn State has their running game to threaten Ohio State. So six and two, they beat Northwestern seven and two. They beat Indiana eight and two. They go to Maryland, and they get another scare. Think twenty eighteen when 
Uh, Dwayne Haskins had to pull him out in overtime. I, I don't think Maryland can get it done, even with all the receivers, because I just don't think they have the horses on defense. Nine and two, but they, they play Michigan at home, and they lose for the first time in Columbus to the Wolverines since 2000. Michigan or uh, Ryan Day is firmly on the hot seat. They lose the best years of C.J. Stroud, and he declares, and they go to um, a New Year's Day bowl game that's not a uh, New Year's Six game where they get upset by either Kentucky or, let's see, maybe, maybe Arkansas because all their best guys decide to opt out for the NFL draft. And nine and four, and there's a lot of uncertainty in Columbus. So that's that's the uh, that's the worst case scenario. I I I I toyed with saying eight and four, because as good as the talent is at Ohio State, they have a tendency to kind of overthink things. So I, I'm saying nine and three. Could they go eight and four? I, I think there's a like a half a percent chance that that happens, so I'm not saying it. But you know that Michigan State game, it's in Michigan State. Historically, Michigan State's been tough. Mel Tucker, you know, he he could whip something up. At Penn State could be tough. Iowa could be tough. But I, I just don't think I think those teams are not built in a way to threaten Ohio State like some of the other teams um on their schedule. Notre Dame, I mean Notre Dame and Michigan are top six teams. And I think Wisconsin could be really, really good. Could be. Let's talk best case scenario. And I'm going to be a little bit more specific. One, I know Ohio State best out of any of the teams that I cover. So that's one. The second reason is I think it's helpful to just think what's going to be the best case scenario. Because I don't think the best case scenario is that Ohio State blows Notre Dame out. I think the best case scenario in that first game is they struggle a bit. And they realize they have some deficiency, but they still win by by 10. So they don't cover. And here's why. I think when Ohio State sees the scoreboard and sees themselves up by like 28 or 35, they can start to hot dog a little bit. So they beat Notre Dame by like 10. You know, they blow out Arkansas State and Toledo because it's Arkansas State and Toledo. They play Wisconsin. And, you know, it's a tough Tough first half game, similar to the 2019 game, where it was, I think, 7-0 at half, and then, or to maybe 10-0 at half, and then Ohio State kind of pulls away. Graham Mertz is mediocre Graham Mertz, and they, they end up winning by about three scores. And, you know, realize they still have some work to do. They go to Rutgers, and at Michigan State, at Michigan State's a big game. You know, they beat Rutgers, obviously, and then they, they blow out Michigan State to get to a bye. Uh, the bye, bye week, get to Iowa. Iowa, they get revenge from the last time they played. The last time that they played Iowa, they lost by 31. That doesn't happen this time. They win by 31. They go to Penn State. And again, they I think they they kind of dominate the game. But they realize that there's a little deficiency. They realize we still got some stuff to work on, but they're 8-0. They sweep Northwestern Indiana at Maryland. And it's an 11-0 Ohio State versus an 11-0 Michigan 
to to close out the year. I think Ohio State's ranked second, and Michigan's ranked maybe third or fourth in that scenario, depending on on how things are going. I think Michigan's gonna be ranked a little lower because their schedule is it's trash. It's so bad, um, com- especially compared to Ohio State. Um, you know, they, their West crossovers, they're, you know, are, are very different. Their non-conference schedule is very different. But anyway, Ohio State is two, Michigan's four. There's a lot of hype. A lot of Michigan fans are saying, why aren't we ranked ahead of Ohio State? We beat them last year. And Ohio State murders them, like 63 to 20. And Ryan Day tries to go for another touchdown to get to 70, but he can't. And Jim Harbaugh pouts off the field. And Ryan Day's asked, why did you go for the touchdown at the end? He says, because I wanted to bury them. That's why. And Woody Hayes, iconic moment, and Michigan gets put in their place. Again, I might be fantasizing a little bit about what I want to happen November 26th. Um, They get to the Big Ten Championship game. There is no doubt who the best team uh, in the Big Ten is. It, they don't struggle uh, regardless of who it is. Maybe it's it's Wisconsin or Minnesota. But they – I'll say Minnesota so they don't have to repeat. And they they make quick work of them. It's it's like a 56-7 to 7 type of game because they have that, that capability like they did against Michigan State last year. And they get the number one seed. They get the number one seed in the playoff – uh, C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba get to the Heisman ceremony. C.J. Stroud wins the award, and they get to the playoff. They they get USC as the four seed, and they either you either USC or Utah, one the a pack maybe the Pac-12 champion, and they just make quick work of them, and then they get Alabama in the national championship game. And they're able to to run enough interference against Will Anderson to win that game by seven in a classic game. And they win the national championship. Ryan Day gets revenge on Nick Saban. And he is a bona fide big-time coach. You know, he's already a big-time coach, but he's a bona fide national championship winning coach now in the same conversation as Kirby Smart, as the same conversation as Dabo Sweeney, and still a hair, you know, a few knocks or a few notches below Nick Saban because Nick Saban's Nick Saban. Um, and so that's that's the best case scenario. I, I think Ohio State can beat anybody. You know, if if all the pieces if all the pieces fall right, Ohio State has Clearly the best trio in terms of Stroud, Henderson, and Smith and Jigba. There is no trio in the country that is better than those three. And I think you can make an argument, at least based on potential, Marvin Harrison Jr. might might be better than Jackson Smith and Jigba. And that's not that's not my own biased opinion. That's what a lot of different guys are saying. College football nerds who they're they're a much more of an SEC, they're well versed in the SEC, much more so than than northern teams. But they would say they think that Marvin Harrison might be the best receiver in the country, and that's saying something. So this is a very very dangerous team. A lot's going to depend on the cohesion of the offensive line. Can Henderson be consistent, and can that defense get things together? So that's that's my that's my best case, worst case. We've wrapped it up. 
And so what's going to happen? Everyone's going to prove me wrong. Ohio State's going to go like four and eight, and it's going to be awful. Um, Michigan's going to win the national. No, Michigan is going to struggle. Rutgers is going to win the national championship because just to spite me, that's what's going to happen. But in all seriousness, I hope you enjoyed this series. And uh, leave a review. Send me an email. Big10footballtalk at gmail.com. This is Zach Guggenheim signing off for the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. God bless.